Welcome to the Educate to Advocate podcast. I'm April Tate, mom of two, founder of Drops of Hope Consulting, and a special education advocate. I am Dr. Penny Stack, occupational therapist and founder of Dyslexia Center of Tulsa, where we provide team-based therapy to bring children to grade level reading. Hey, let's share with everyone why we are doing the podcast. I'm here to connect with listeners so that we don't feel alone in the process of helping our children. I'm here to broaden awareness for providers that learning difficulties are not just about learning issues or needs, it's about a person's lived experience. Let's get into today's topic. I'm really excited about today's topic. Today, I'd like to focus on parents and how they're connecting with their children in terms of the frequency of resources, the process of getting help, therapy, support, all of that. I've I've seen a variety of parents come through my doors and typically especially with dyslexia because it is genetic I see several types of parents. So you could have parents or or caregivers where maybe it's from one parent and not the other and so the parent who has the learning difference they may come across as you got this um buck up you can do this. I did it. And they just, they just struggle all the way through it. And they really push their child to just struggle. They don't need any intervention. And then you have the parent who maybe does not have any learning issues at all. And they just really struggle with connecting to the why they're thinking, Oh, they've got fourth grade homework. I can, I can do that with them. And they sit down and they don't understand why their child's having struggles. They don't know how to make that connection to support them. They may even get frustrated. Um, or just feel lost in yes. the process. But then you could also have parents who have that learning difference. And I, I think this really speaks to my experience, especially early on. I can, I can see myself through telling this description where I looked back on my own life and never really thought much of it. But when I saw my daughter having struggles, it was like mama bear just kicked in. Right. And I felt like my number one responsibility was to protect her so she wouldn't have the experiences I had. Because in my mind, some of them were traumatic. You know, I felt different. I felt stupid. I I felt less than. And I'm thinking, what can I do to prevent her her from that? And so because of that... I, and I see this in in many parents too, it was this constant merry-go-round. I don't know how else to describe it. Okay, we need to do this testing. Okay, now that testing. And now we need to do this service. And it's almost like a fire hose of information just shooting out. Because my biggest fear was I have this finite amount of time with this child where she's moldable. And I got to get it all in right now. And it's push, 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 push. Until one day you realize you're not the parent. You're this person that you never wanted to become. You're managing all of these you're, therapies and pushing all of this. You're managing. And and I, I've seen something similar in parents. And I wonder where that comes from. Does it come from I'm it all always comes from I want the best for my child. Don't don't misinterpret, right? So it it all comes from I want the best for my child. But is it really meeting their needs in terms of, is this the pace they can go at? Right. Right. It's your panic pace, but is this their doable pace? And is it you and your emotions driving this transference, if you will, imposing this on them? Sure. I think think so. I mean, I think there's a, a big, like just element of fear in this entire situation that you're describing. Yeah. Like do they even recognize there's an issue? Like they're fine in their mind. Right. The kiddo and, is right, fine. They're, they're, they're like, <laughs> and the parent is just, I'm a little bizarre over there, but sure. I'm along for the ride. 
Um, what is the balance between providing every learning opportunity for your child and separating your own issue, whatever that is, whether it's you need to process what you went through in your life and put that in its place and move forward so you can be the present parent that you want and need to be because you want to. And I I've had, I, I will never forget parents that have come to me and I mean, if I get through this without crying, that'll be good. Cause every time I tell the story, it's really sad. And I'll tell you one story. And if I've told you one, it's happened many times. And I had this one parent sit in a parent conference with me and she said, it's a parent that's never had a learning difference. And she said, I go to bed at night and I cry myself to sleep. And I asked her why. And she said, because I just spanked my daughter or I just yelled at her or I just punished her because I got so frustrated. She wouldn't do what she was told to do. Here's all the things she needs to do in therapy or these are all the steps she needs to do and she doesn't do it. She goes, and then I punish her and then I go to sleep and I cried myself to sleep because I feel so guilty for being this mom or this person that I don't know how I got here. And you don't want to be that person, but it's just taken over. Right. And and how do we get lost? How do we get so enmeshed in this process that we lose the intentional parent that we want to be? Right. And that nurturer for our child. And it all comes from good intentions. Right. And then what trauma could we be imposing on that child? So there's a lot there. There is. There, <laughs> it's a so big discussion. It's a big discussion. <laughs> what have you seen on your end? Well, from my perspective, I've seen, I mean, I've worked with many different families and um, I see, I see, like I said earlier, just a, with almost all of my families, I see an element of fear and just kind of how that fear manifests. I had, you know, I have certain parents who I kind of think about it as them getting on a treadmill and turning it all the way up oh, and they're yes. just running as hard as they can because they're wanting again very good intentions. They're wanting so badly to help their child in any and every way that they possibly can. Um, but the problem is, is they are, you know, five foot five running at top speed and they're trying to drag along a little, you know, five-year-old. Okay. We've maybe- all actually really done something like that. <laughs> My daughter, it's so funny to tell you, you say that because she actually, we saw, we saw a mom holding a little, little child's hand and the child's doing everything to keep up. And she goes, I remember those days. I'm like, really? You remember that? I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is that. And I I mean, it's just a very good visual for me because I feel like those parents and bless their hearts, they're wanting the best for their child and they're working hard. I am a hard worker. I work hard for my parents so I can identify with these people. I love these people. These are my people. Right. (laughs) And so I see that, but I also see that while they're putting their entire self into this, there is a kid that's a completely different person, a completely different it's unit. It's not them. It's not them. It's all about the parent. And I, like I said, I am that parent. So it's interesting. I think especially when children are little, it may be hard for some parents. And when I say maybe hard for some parents, what I'm really saying is this was my experience as well, because I'm I'm certainly not excluded from this, but it was hard for me to see her as her own personality and that she wasn't me and my lived experience would not necessarily be her lived experience. And so her interpretation of the ask I was doing was completely different. In my mind, it was a crisis. We had to do this. And she's like, happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Right? And my daughter, like many of these children, sometimes are wise beyond their years. (laughs) And they tell you things and you just sit back and like, where did that come from? And who's the adult? You know, and they kind of put you in check. And I remember, you know, 
a variety of comments. And I, I remember, I can't remember the exact words, but it was basically like, all we ever talk about is school. Mm-hmm. And all we ever talk about is all this work I need to do. But what about being my mom? Right. You know, that's like a stab to the heart. Sure. And I'm thinking, but I am your mom. I like, am your mom. I'm, I'm doing, doing my this. best. How do you not notice this? <laughs> but I think what 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 was trying to be communicated to me, and in hindsight, of course, it's so easy to see. I was the only person or the parents are the only people or some relative, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That is their unconditional safe place to land. Yes. No one else can do that for the lifetime of that child. Right. Not a teacher, you know, and I realized, hang on, that's my first important thing to do. Right. Be present. Be Be that parent that you want to be. Give the hugs. Right. Praise the small wins and everything else will fall into place. Right. And that was so hard to turn that corner and realize it really could be that simple. And if you do that first, mm-hmm. it's amazing things will fall into place. It is. It is. And I mean, you you had said something a little bit earlier. You were talking about how parents, you know, come from different places. So one parent typically has the learning disorder that the child has and the other parent often doesn't. My dynamic is that way. I've never had a learning disorder. I've never had any of these issues. So for me, it's been really um, difficult, not only just going through the process, but for me, I feel like there's, you know, an extra step that some parents don't have because not only do I have to learn about it, but I have to, I have to interpret it in my kid. And so whenever I'm working with my child and I can't get through to him, like, oh, we're learning a new math concept and I'm teaching it to him and we're going over it and we're sitting there and no matter what I do, I can't get this concept through to him. I know I can hit the pause button and go talk to my husband. He can, without a doubt, come in and within five minutes, everybody's on the same page and we're moving along because he just has that understanding of where my son is coming from that I lack. And I think because I lack that, I tend to get a little bit fearful because I'm like, what's going on? I need to understand and I can't understand because I've never been there. And then I get on this, you know, roll of, you know, pushing and that treadmill just starts going faster and faster and faster because it's all my lack of understanding that I am putting out there. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. It, it brings me back to something that actually happened this week. I, I, I also teach and I happen to walk in in the middle of, of an adult student having a massive meltdown. This wasn't a conversation I was part of. I literally walked into the room and she had buckets of tears down mm-hmm. her face and she was there with her parents and she's like, let's just leave. This will never happen. And, and she just melted down and, and it was not my place to step in at the moment. There was obviously, this was mid conversation. So I did what I needed to do and I walked out, but I looked up when I walked out of the room and I saw her sitting in a chair at the end of the hallway still oh, after five minutes the amount of tears. And I just sat down with her and I said, I don't know what happened. And I know it's, it's not really my place. And I'm, I'm really interfering on a very personal moment for you. I said, but whatever it is that happened, I just want you to know this is not the end of your story. And I shared with her how I got kicked out of college twice. And, you know, and now I have finished, you know, my terminal degree and, that sometimes we have these bumps in the road and what is her plan to move forward? That it was okay to be disappointed, be in that moment, but what's the plan to move forward? And so we worked out a plan. She basically had to defer for a year. 
And what would that look like for her? So we talked about working, saving up money. So then when she did have a chance to go in, she'd have all this money saved in the bank where maybe she wouldn't have to work because one of her concerns was how hard it is to study and she needs more time and this could give her more time. It was interesting because in mid-conversation, she just looked at me and the tears stopped and she said, thank you for just sitting down and talking to me. And that really touched me because when she was talking to the official people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were just saying, here are the rules. This is why. It was very cut and dry. Right. They just read the paragraph and, and off you go. as soon as I saw that meltdown, I knew immediately, and I'm, you know, I took a huge leap. I said, she has a learning need yeah. because I've had that meltdown. I've seen that meltdown. And what that meltdown really is, is they're not angry at the moment. What that meltdown really says is, I have worked so stinking hard. And no one acknowledges I worked and I went through all these hoops like everybody told me to. And now I still can't get to the end game. Right. Right. Now, whether she misunderstood those hoops or whatever or is not part of it, but it's just that uh, exhaustion yes. of effort. And I, I shared this moment with my daughter the other day. And she, like I said, kids are so wise. She said, you know what, mom? I think teachers in K-12 and in college need to learn how to speak with children who have a learning disability. Absolutely. And I was listening to her and Across she goes, the board. <laughs> yes, she goes, because that's really what she needed. Yes. And what if you weren't there? And um, so I think I love that you talked about having that balance with you and your husband, because you have that awareness that Okay, this is not this is my, not my department, right? And I I got nothing <laughs> I need here, reinforcement. right? And you're able to reach out, right? Instead of pushing that hard firm line that this is the way it is, right? It's so important to have your team. I was thinking while you were telling that story, um, you know, this is a story that you told about, you know, a college age student, but I am around younger kids, elementary kids. And whenever I sit with their parents and I listen to their concerns and I listen to their fears and I listen to the things that they're doing, all of these things that we're talking about, I realize that with small kids, parents get so wrapped up in the diagnosis or or the current situation, what they're going through, that I feel like a lot of parents have a hard time seeing the end of the road. My child is going to be okay. This is school and this is a blip on the radar. And once they get past this, there is life outside of school. And life outside of school looks way different, <laughs> yes. way different than life in school. I and, and you're right. I have a lot of parents in conference that their fear, will my child graduate high school? Will they get to the next grade? Can they support themselves? I remember will asking- Will they be successful? Yes, the, yeah. the very same question. And it is interesting because- Children grow up to be these amazing adults. These you you've used the term I love before. They're funny little creatures, <laughs> they right? Are. And they find their way. They do. And I think a big part of it is having that soft place to land. If they've got that person in their corner, no matter the path, whether it's bumpy or smooth, they'll be there. And I I think the reason why parents ask that question or or they are so diagnosis driven is. Uh, uh, twofold. One, it's almost a relief. I am not going crazy. There's, it's 
it's not just in my head right. being made up because some people tell me they're just lazy or some people tell me they're just not trying. They're like, this is a real thing. So it validates. So that's one reason why Absolutely. a diagnosis is important. The other reason is they feel that they have to have that diagnosis to get services. Right. So I think those are two main reasons why they focus on that. But then you have the opposite parent who says, I don't want a kid labeled. Well, I don't want them labeled, (laughs) right? And so I've had some parents, I give them the information and they say, I don't want to share this with the school. And I see two sides to that. Yes. And one side is, well, that's one way to get help is to share this with the school because your child's still going to struggle. Right. And I see the other side of it where they don't want their child labeled because it may have a negative impact. Absolutely. What's been your experience? You know, I I can talk to that just from my family. We we have... You know, we've done some testing along the way, and it's always been a fear. Like, I liked the idea of doing outside independent testing because I was able to get the information and process it on my own before I presented it to the school. It gave me just a little bit of peace to be able to say, okay, this is what we're taking. And if I didn't like what it came back to say, I could go get a second independent evaluation and say, okay, are these two hand in hand before I take that to the school? Um, And my husband and I have had lots of conversations about, you know, just kind of filtering that information, what we want the school to know, what we don't want the school to know. Eventually, in my particular case with our kid, we pass the evaluation on in, in total and we have a great working relationship with the school. We all got on the same page, but I understand, um, that idea that if this school district makes a decision for your child and then eventually, you know, you're comfortable in the school district, but then you're, you get transferred or life moves you to another state where rules are different and this label is on your child, what is the outcome of that label in that state? It gets oh, really scary. It does. And I've seen a lot of that. Is I think about Texas, mm-hmm. who has a robust program for children with learning differences, and they come to Oklahoma and they can't get near the services in the school that they had in the Texas, the yeah. Texas or the, the place they came from. And so they feel very lost of how does this diagnosis help us or what, what kind of support can we get? Right. So it is very different from state to state. It is. And I so I think, you know, I think parents tend to be guarded because, you know, our number one goal is to protect our child. And we don't want to put something bad on them that will follow them from place to place. But then you also have to balance that with this information is going to provide services that's going to get them help to help them to be more successful. So I think, you know, there is definitely that give and pull, you know, that that tug going on. I think it you know, I think that it's really important that you share that information. But I I personally, like I said, I liked getting the outside evaluation so that I could kind of marinate it in it before I took it to the school and said, here's what's going on. And that was how we approached that. But I feel like, you know, sometimes people just need to hear that it's going to be okay. It's something that I think is really interesting. And I had a conversation with a mom um, this last week uh, you know, our world is changing every day. So fast. And education is not what it what it looked like 20 years ago. The workplace is not what it looked like 20 years ago. And I feel like some of our kids who are not traditional, you know, products of the educational system are finding themselves in a world today where they can go out and use their strengths to be very successful. Whereas maybe 20 years ago, the suit and tie and behind the computer desk and on the phone that might not be their niche, but now they're able to go out and be a different type of productive citizen, B, 
be very, very successful, very creative. And I think that we're, our world is shifting to really appreciate and value that outlook. Whereas, you know, before it was really scary because when we were growing up, we were expected to go to school this way. We were expected to graduate this way. We were expected to get this job. We were expected to be there, you know, eight to five, dress a certain way. There was a sequential order of what had to be done and what was acceptable as a measure of success. Absolutely. And I feel like little by little, that's that's shedding and our world is changing. And I think it's really exciting for our different kids that have different strengths and different abilities to be able to walk into a world that values some of the things that weren't valued when we were younger. Yeah. So I'm a product of that, right? I, the only way to be successful was to go to college. So I was the square peg in the round hole and just kept going until it finished because that's what I was supposed to do. And I look back at the younger generation who are not buying houses. They are not getting married. They are doing things that they are interested in doing because they like it. And I'm like, going to trade school. Go you, right? <laughs> I'm like, I wish I would have had enough confidence to be okay in my own skin just to do that. And if I was, if I was going to leave the parents with any summary of, of this topic today, it would be to allow your child that space. Yes. To to have the awareness that your experience may not and will not be their experience. They are not you. Right. And that's so hard because we want to protect them and that's where that comes from, but to provide them opportunities that gives them a diverse experience of activities and they will find their niche. Yes. And to be that supportive, nurturing, it's okay to have a safe place to land parent first, like just flip it. Yes. That shouldn't be the leftover parts of you, which for me, that's what it became at one point. No, it's easy, easily done. It is because you were so busy, right? And right. it's just so easy to say, go do this next. Because in a parenting mind, it's like, I'm still doing something for them. I'm helping them. And you're checking off this list. Yes, the check, the, the checklist. checklist, right? Mm-hmm. When really they just need some quiet downtime to talk to you. Right. Or a hug or whatever that is. And you need to be okay with you to even get there to be um, intentional with them. Absolutely. And, you know, if there was one thing that I would like to leave the parents with this conversation from this conversation is just, you know, we get so bogged down in all of this stuff. We're worried. We're fearful. We, you know, more than anything, we want our children to be successful. But just the idea that school only lasts a certain part of their life. And once they're out of that environment, life changes entirely. So, I mean, while we're focused on, you know, this whole education realm, that is such a small part of their life. And they, you know, they are going to go on and life changes. Whenever you're struggling with dyslexia, it's a very apparent and an everyday struggle in the school setting. But whenever you move out of that setting, it, it changes. I mean, it's still obviously a daily struggle, but it's not, you know, someone's not grading you constantly on what you're doing. It's, you know, you have spell check, you have, you know, all of the different things that you can utilize to be successful. And so just to take a deep breath whenever you need it and understand that this is a small portion of their life, they're going to go on, they're going to do great, they're going to be successful in who they are. And, you know, just realizing that the world is always changing and there's, there's, we're becoming more acceptable of these different strengths, whereas we didn't have that in the past. So just a little bit of hope that while these school years can be challenging and difficult, there is a rainbow at the end of the tunnel and there is hope out there for, for our kids. You reminded me of something my husband said to me, and I think I've shared this with you before. And he said, 
speak to her, meaning my daughter, the way you would speak to her when she's 30 oh, and not right now. And I think it's just keeping perspective that what I say to her today will impact who she becomes and what do I want that to look like. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I appreciate the conversation today. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good one. Well, we hope that we leave you today feeling empowered to advocate. Thank you so much for making us a small part of your day. We would love to hear from you and what's on your mind. So email us questions and comments at educate to advocate at gmail.com. Listen for your topic to be on a future podcast. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe and listen to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Alexa, and on most podcast platforms.